Come on, come on, one last big round of applause for these guys. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome to church. Man, it feels like we've, had, we've done a lot already today. I want to welcome my in-laws are here. Pastor Larry and Janet are here. They were actually in, instrumental in introducing Inez, who we, we baptized today, into our family and into this church. And so they, want, they, they wanted to be a part of this baptism. And so they came this morning. Uh, grateful to have every one of you here. You decided on this Sunday you're going to be in the house of the Lord. You're the smartest people in Orange County. Just want to tell you that right now. You've been doing a lot of things today, but you decided to be in the house of the Lord. There's no better place that you could be. Quickly, just a couple of announcements before we jump into the Word. Next Sunday, we begin our At The Movies series where we take different films, feature films, and we break them down. We do real talk. We, talk, we, talk, we, we use the, the films and, 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 and clips from those films to, to preach a message. And we did this last July and we had a tremendous time everybody had a great time and uh, we decided let's do it again and so that's beginning next Sunday that series kicks off and then next Sunday night just to kind of kick off that what we're doing is we're renting an LED wall we're setting it up in the in the the vault amphitheater and we're gonna have a family movie night out there and and, and word has it there's gonna be all kinds of free snacks donated to us popcorn and we're using this as an outreach matter of fact there's some families that are still uh, still part of our church from this event last year and so it's a great opportunity to introduce people to elevate ministries and to introduce people to our church and uh, who knows what God will do with that and so there's some flyers that Rich has available. Uh, they'll be available today on your way out. Grab a few of those. Invite your friends. Also on Saturday, there's going to be an outreach. Those of you that are interested in inviting people out to the movie night, Saturday at 1030, Rich and a group are going to be meeting some people here. They're going to be hitting, some street, hitting the streets and just having a wonderful time with that. want to remind you to work on your six-pack. Grab a six-pack of flyers on your way out. Invite six of your friends, family members to church this summer. Work on that six-pack. Amen. Um, if you came here this morning and you wish to give, you you, you, you're prepared to give a tithe or an offering to the Lord. Uh, there's envelopes that are behind the chairs. You can use those if you're writing a check or giving with cash. Uh, if you're giving electronically, um, we have a safe and secure way of doing that. It's called Push Pay. It's the safest out there. You just scan that code. It'll just direct you to that, that way to give. And we just want to thank every person who, who contributes financially to this church. We're so grateful that we get to partner together with you to change our world one person at a time. And so we're grateful for you. Thank you for your giving. And congratulations to every person that got baptized today. That was amazing. It's amazing. That never gets old. Never gets old seeing people saved and then following that up with baptism. We believe just like God spoke to Jesus. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. We believe God looked down from heaven today as you were getting baptized and said, this is my son. This is my daughter with whom I'm well pleased. We're so excited for you in your journey of faith. We look forward to what's ahead in your life. And one last thing we want to thank. We want to thank. We had a group of people clean the carpets. That may not sound like a big deal to you, but to clean these carpets is a lot of work. They moved all the chairs and, and cleaned this entire room. And so I want to shout out Rick and Cindy Fuentes, John and Darcy. I think Joel was here. Perhaps Josie was here. There was a whole group of people. Thank you for doing that. Aren't you glad you have some clean carpet? They said that they, they, they cleaned the carpet. I was talking to Darcy. She said she sucked out all the dirt and the carpet, smelled the water, and it smelled like coffee. <laughs> Put lids on your drinks, everyone. Please help us out with that. Amen. 
<laughs> Let's get into the word today together. Can we do that? God wants to speak to us. Every time we open his word, it's an opportunity for God to do something special in our hearts and in our lives. And I, I, was, I was thinking over the past month around here at Elevate Ministries, just how fun it's been. I just think about what we've, what we've kind of, the ministry that's kind of gone on here, whether it's Sunday morning, whether it be Wednesday night, just us being together over the last month has been so rewarding. It's just been so fulfilling. We, and it's, what's interesting about that is we just came out of a series that we entitled, I Need Dough. And it was a financial series, and we've been talking through uh, money and God's principles regarding money. We're talking about generosity. We're talking about mammon, the spirit that's on money. We're, we're talking about all of these different things. And, and what was, what's interesting is that usually when we talk about money in church, people get kind of weird. Like, it, it becomes like a little bit of an awkward conversation. And, and, but what I noticed about our church is it seemed like everybody just really leaned in. Instead of leaning out, everybody kind of leaned into the, to the topic, and it's just, it's just so amazing that, that, that God, I think what God did over the course of that theme is really begin to open our eyes to the possibilities that when we do what's right with our finances, when we put God first, that there's blessing and promises that are rewarded. It's just principles in God's word, that when finances are in their proper place, and, and, and you're not a master to money, but, but, but actually money, is a, uh, money doesn't master you, you master it. When, when you do that, there's amazing, amazing the blessing that comes as a result of that. And then last week, Dave spoke, and we, we talked, about, it was Father's Day, and, and Dave spoke and talked around the, the family unit and God's intention for the family and, and, and the, the, the provision and the protection that he provides uh, through a, a godly marriage and, 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 and just an amazing thing. And I think as he began to talk about family relationships, when they're in the proper place, there's a blessing that comes. And so if you've been here, chances are, if you've been in the room, what you've, what you've gotten is a glimpse of what God can do with your life when things are in, it, in the proper place. Now all of a sudden you begin to see maybe something that God has for you, something that God has for your life, something that God has for your family when you do it his way. And I, I believe that God's beginning to open our eyes to that, but what can happen is, is we leave the building all right, so we're having a great time in the room. We're seeing God's principles and what can happen if we apply them. But the problem is, is we all leave and Monday comes. And, and, and what can happen is is, 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 is all of a sudden the enemy could come in and say, well, yeah, man, that works for Pastor Carl. And you know, that works for Dave and, and his family. And, 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 and it's easy for you to say, Pastor Adam, and, and you know, your family, your circumstance, your life experience is a lot different than mine though. And so, so, you know, it's easy for you to say this, but, but I want to just say this, that there is nothing that is in God's word that is out of reach for you. That's right. That's right. There is nothing in God's word that's out of reach. Everything is within your reach, but you do have to reach. It's within your reach, but you do have to reach. The Bible actually says that the kingdom of God is at hand. That means it's within your grasp. Everything that God has for your life, everything he has for your marriage, your family, your finances, literally every area of your life, everything, every promise in his word is within your reach. It's not out of your reach. God's not dangling a carrot. He's not trying to get you to chase. He's not trying to keep something from you. He's trying to get something to you. Everything in his word he put there for you. You'll have to reach. There's work required. There's adjustments required. But, but it's within your grasp. 
But in order to see this breakthrough that we're talking about, in order to, for you to, to experience maybe the glimpses that you've begun to see as you've been sitting through these series, you have to do something. It's not enough to hear it. It's not enough just to hear God's word, but you, you actually have to start. You actually have to put it into practice. And I think, I think what we need to grab a hold of here this morning is that we play a massive role in acquiring the vision to, of what God says about you. So when God says about you is true, but you play a role in that. And so in order to see clearly, in order to have a God vision for your life, there are going to be some things that you absolutely must do. And I think you see examples of this all throughout scripture. Maybe you'd, re you'd remember, or let me remind you of a, of, a, of a story in Genesis chapter 12. And it's God is trying to establish a nation that he's going he's gonna to bring in and usher in the Savior of the world. He's going to bring Jesus through this nation. And trying to establish that nation, he has a conversation with Abraham. And he's trying to set Abraham apart from everyone else. And he says to him in Genesis 12, he says, Abram, I want you to go from your country I want you to go from your people, I want you to go from your father's house, and I want you to go to the land I'm gonna show you. And then I'm gonna make you a great nation, I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I'm gonna bless those who bless you, whoever curses you, I'm gonna curse, and all people on the earth are gonna be blessed through you. And the Bible says that Abram went and did, as the Lord told him, and then it says this, I want you to just look at this little scripture at the end, it says, and Lot went with him. Now, this little detail in this story oftentimes just goes overlooked. We don't even think about it. Just, you know, Lot went with him. We don't even really even consider what, what it is, but I think this is really important in this text because who is Lot? Lot is Abraham's nephew. Abraham's brother Haran had passed away and obviously he had a son. His son was named was Lot. He's left there fatherless. And, and, and so now God's asked Abraham, he's asked him to go to a place that no one knows him. Now the problem with that is that his name means exalted father. All right, so imagine introducing yourself as exalted father, but the problem is, is your wife is barren and you have no kids. That'd be a little weird, right? Hi, what's your name? My name's exalted father. Well, introduce me to your kids. I don't have any. That's a little bit weird, right? And so it's kind of like this, like this really cool opportunity that Abram has that now he can actually take little Lot with him. And so he can kind of pretend like maybe he's like a, the father of Lot and he, it makes things a little bit easier for him. And so what this was, was compromise. Well, how do you know that? Well, because God told him to leave his father's household to leave his people. He was to go, he was, God was trying to separate him. But instead of doing exactly what God said, he allowed this little compromise in his life and he takes Lot along. God told him to leave his family. He said to go from your country, go from your people and your father's household to the land I'm gonna show you. And so Abram partially obeyed, but he had this small little compromise in his life. What's interesting is that when you look at the name Lot, Lot in the Hebrew actually means veil. I think this is so interesting that, that here's this little compromise in his life and it actually is blocking or hindering. It's actually a veil in front of the promise that God has for him. And so as long as, as he's allowing this compromise, it was actually blocking God's ability to fulfill the promise that he had for Abram's life. Are you seeing that today? And so as you follow the story, what's interesting is, is, is everything that, that God promised him isn't happening. Yeah. 
There's all kinds of problems. There's all kinds of family chaos. There's all kinds of strife. The Bible says that, that Lot's herdsmen are fighting with Abram's herdsmen. Why? Because every time we allow compromise in our life, it keeps us out of the promise. So finally, Abram deals with Lot. He says, all right, we're gonna separate. You're not supposed, you weren't supposed to be with me in the first place, so we're gonna get down with business. You're gonna go your way, I'm gonna go my way. And what's so interesting is the very next thing that happens in Genesis 13, the Bible says, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated him, he says, lift up your eyes now and see from the place where you are, north, south, east, west, all the land which you see, I give you and your descendants forever. In other words, God's saying to Abram, hey man, now that you've dealt with this compromise, now that you've worked this out of your life, I can give you vision for what's ahead. I can give you vision for the promise I have for your life. Here's the truth, and we need to grab this today. God can't deal with your vision until you deal with your compromise. If compromise is still in your life, you have to deal with those areas. If God is saying don't and you're doing, if God is saying leave it and you're keeping it, you know what I'm talking about? You gotta deal with it now because, because God wants, not, not for you just to have a glimpse. God wants you to experience the promises for your life. And so make a commitment today. I'm getting rid of the compromise. I'm not allowing it in my life any longer. I want to see and I want to experience all that God has for me. This is what we're gonna be talking about this morning and we're gonna use another story that you'd be familiar with in Mark chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up there or turn on your Bibles, whatever you're gonna do. And we're gonna be in Mark chapter 10. It's a story I think most of you would be familiar with where, where a man actually does what I just described. He's a man by the name of Blind Bartimaeus. It's a man that, that Jesus gave new vision to, and, and today what, we, what I want you to experience is new vision for your life. I want you walking out of this place excited about the future, excited about what's ahead. I want you seeing what God has for you, and so I wanna unpack some things in this text that maybe will help you do just that. Mark chapter 10, verse 46, look what it says. Now they came to Jericho. And then as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And then he called the blind man and said to him, be of good cheer, rise, for he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Jesus, I wanna receive my sight, I want to see. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. How many love that story? What a, what, a, what a tremendous story. Wouldn't you love to have been there and to have seen that with your own eyes? But as we look at this story, I think there's several, several hidden things in there that we can apply to our own lives. And I think it starts with, with the, right at the beginning of the verse, verse 46. It says, now they came to Jericho. I think this is interesting. I think a lot of times we read this and just kind of gloss over it and don't really think about it all that much. But, but I want you to notice it says, now they came to Jericho, period. And then the very next thing that it says is, as they went out of Jericho. 
Don't you find that a little interesting? Like, like they came to Jericho and now they're leaving Jericho. We have no idea. Why in the world is that even in the Bible? Doesn't it seem kind of strange? Like, wouldn't you think they went to Jericho, this happened, this happened, this happened, and now they're leaving Jericho. It doesn't do that. They went to Jericho, period. Now we're leaving Jericho. I, I just think that, I think that's so crazy. And, and it's interesting that Jesus and his disciples even went to Jericho. Because the thing that we would know about, we would know about, uh, about the Bible, and we know that Jericho would have been a cursed location. So there's nothing in scripture that's there by accident. Why in the world is this even in the Bible? It's totally unnecessary. It seems like it's, 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 it's kind of out of place. Like what, Jesus comes to Jericho, now he's leaving Jericho. Why would that even be in there at all? And I think what you'll find out if you'll dig a little bit is that Jericho is a cursed place. It's a cursed place. We, if you look back in scripture, you would recognize it was Joshua. As soon as they crossed over the Jordan into the promised land, their first battle that they would face was Jericho. And it was, it was walled and tightly shut up. And we know that God did a tremendous miracle. They marched around the city and God, the walls came down. But, but after that battle was complete, Joshua said, cursed before the Lord is the one who undertakes rebuilding the city of Jericho. And so here we are all of these years later and somebody actually did it. Somebody actually rebuilt this place and it's not been rebuilt with the blessing of God. Jericho is a cursed place. Are you with me so far? What this says about Jesus is that Jesus is not afraid to go to the cursed places. That's what it says about him. And so what I want to encourage you today, point number one, is let Jesus into your Jericho. Let Jesus into your Jericho. God wants to deal with your Jericho. And here's the truth. Every one of us have a Jericho. Every one of us have areas in our life, areas of compromise, areas where we're jacked up, we're broken down, we're dysfunctional. We, we, we all have those kind of places in our life. And I'm so grateful for a God that's not afraid to go into those areas of my life. Is anybody with me today? He, Jesus goes into the places that I'm embarrassed about. Jesus goes into the locations that I'm ashamed about. He's not detoured by the things that I've hidden. He's not detoured by the, th the things I've hidden in the darkness. And matter of fact, every time I turn around and look at my Jericho, there's Jesus standing there. He's not afraid to go into our Jericho. And, and here's the thing, just like in this text, Jesus deals with those areas and then there's a period. You see, Jesus is not into exposing you. He's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to embarrass you. I, I notice it says Jesus goes to Jericho and there is a period. And there's a period there. Why? Why don't we know what happened there? I think it's because it's none of our business. I mean, what God does in Jericho, what God does in those secret places in our life, it's not for everyone to know. It's not for, Jesus is not interested in exposing all of those things. He just goes into that place and he deals with that cursed location. And what I love about it is he goes to Jericho and then he leaves Jericho, but he doesn't leave it the same. Matter of fact, what comes out of Jericho is a great multitude. And so every time God goes into your life and he deals and you deal with those areas of compromise, those areas of, uh, of darkness, listen, when, when, when he's done with that cursed spot, you're always coming out with increase. You're always coming out with favor. You're always coming out greater. Can somebody shout amen? And so the dumbest thing that you and I could do is not allow Jesus into our Jericho. You ever notice that the one that we have secrets with 
is never God, it's always the devil. Ever notice that, that everyone, the only thing, only, the only person we share that dark spot with is the enemy. We never have secrets with God. We only have secrets with the devil. Why in the world would we trust the devil with our secrets? I mean, think about it. He's, the, he's deceived the whole world. He's deceived all of, all of mankind. And then he comes to us and says, you can trust me. I won't tell anybody. And we believe him. Isn't, isn't that crazy? Listen, you can't trust the devil. You, you, can't, you can't trust the enemy. Let Jesus into your Jericho. Come on, let the light of the world come into your dark location because when Jesus comes in, he's gonna deal with that cursed place and you're gonna come out stronger. He's gonna deal with that dysfunction. He's gonna deal with that shame. He's gonna deal with that guilt, that fear. Let him deal with it. You'll be better for it. Somebody shout amen. So look what happens next. It says, as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, there was blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sitting by the road begging. And so you have this man, you gotta try and picture this because we're not there. Here's this man, he's, he's blind, he's sitting by the road, he's begging. And, and, and here's the thing, he's begging from people who aren't blind. I know that's kind of obvious, but it does show us that people without vision are always dependent on those with vision. You, you grab a hold of that. And that's why Satan works overtime to keep you from having vision for your life. Because the moment you have vision, and the moment you realize I'm the head, I'm not the tail. The moment you realize I'm not b below, I'm actually above. The moment you have that kind of vision in your life, it gives you the opportunity to minister to those who are blind. God, Satan doesn't want you to have vision because once you have vision, now you can help people who are stuck. When you have vision, now you're, you're able to help people who are sitting alongside the road and begging. All of a sudden, you're able to help those that are, that are hoping for a little bit of mercy. If you've got vision for your marriage, all of a sudden, you're gonna see areas that you need to work on. And as you work on those areas because of the vision you have, your marriage will be flourishing. And now all of a sudden, people's marriages that aren't flourishing are looking at yours and saying, hey, I need some help. I'm blind in this area of my life. You have vision, show me what to do. Come on, are you with me today? And before you know it, not only are your marriage flourishing, but others are flourishing as a result. This is why God wants us to have vision. I wanna see, how many wanna see? Verse 47, so here's blind Bartimaeus. It says, it says and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. When he heard, here's the thing that you need to grab a hold of with this, is that before you can have vision, you have to, before you're able to see, you first have to hear. Before you can see, you first have to hear. Before I can perceive what God has for my life, before I can get a vision for what God has for me, first I have to hear. And we see this right here with blind Bartimaeus. Uh, before, I can, before I can see it, I gotta hear what God is doing. When I begin to hear the things God has done, I can get a, pic I can get a picture of that and I can see it for my own life. Right. And so that's what's happened with blind Bartimaeus. All of a sudden, he hears that Jesus is in town. Now, what has he heard about Jesus? I mean, obviously, he knows something. I I'm sure blind Bartimaeus has heard that Jesus has healed other people. <laughs> I'm sure that he's heard that Jesus raised the dead. I'm sure he heard that Jesus calmed the storm, that he turned water into wine. I'm sure he's heard that, that Jesus has healed the deaf. I'm sure he's heard that Jesus has opened blind eyes. 
He's heard these things. And because he's heard this good news, now all of a sudden something inside of him is beginning to see the possibility of that in his own life. That's why when you come to Elevate Ministries, every time you come into this place on a Sunday, we're going to make sure that you hear the word of God. We're going to open up the word of God every single week, and we're going to preach to you a message of faith. Why? Because we want your vision to increase. And when you hear the word of God and you hear the possibilities and you hear the promises, all of a sudden it provides vision for your own life. I want you to have vision that all things are possible. I want you to have vision that your marriage and your family can be blessed. I want you to have vision that God can prosper your life when you do what he says. I want you to have vision that you can be set free from whatever is addicting you. I want you to have vision for that. And so you may have walked in here thinking this morning that it's hopeless, that I'm helpless, that it's never going to happen, that it's game over. Maybe you walked in here today, you're on the brink of divorce. Maybe you walked in here today thinking, I'll never be able to. There's no possible way. Let me tell you something. I want you to be here this morning and hear a word from God because everything changes when you see and hear a word from God. Let me give you an example. John the Baptist is wondering, hey, Jesus, are you the one or should I look for someone else? And Jesus says, I want you to go tell, tell John this, that the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. I remember reading this scripture, and it bugged me. Because it seems like the poor people got the short end of the stick. You know what I mean? Like, I felt bad for the poor people, because everybody else got what they should get. You know what I mean? Like, if it's a miracle, like, like a dead person got raised, that seems legit. A blind person, they can see it. Deaf person can hear. Lame can walk. It seems obvious like that, that God just did an amazing miracle, total, total turnaround. But then the poor, you know, I feel bad for them because they just got the gospel preached to them. It seems like they should get, like they win the lottery. You know, like the poor win the lottery. The, the, the poor get a, get a massive inheritance. They had no idea what was coming. Something like that. Like that would make more sense in this context, right? But there's something about the word of God. That the poor have the good news preached to them. I, I, why wouldn't the poor just get some money? Because, because if the poor can get a vision for their life by hearing the word of God, if, if the good news of the gospel is to enter into the life of someone who can't see it, all of a sudden they realize, I don't have to be poor no more. That doesn't have to be my story because the gospel, when you hear the gospel, it produces breakthrough and blessing and prosperity. It's the gospel. It's so important that we hear that. Amen. And so make the decision, like you have this morning, that every time the doors open to this place, I'm going to be in the house of God because I know when I hear the word, faith rises on the inside, vision begins to increase, I can see further, I can reach higher, I can dream bigger. Come on, it all happens when we hear the word of God. And so verse 47, it says this, that when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. You see, what's interesting about God's word is that when you hear God's word, it demands a response. The word of God always demands a response. And what's so interesting here is what I see with blind Bartimaeus is he's heard the good news and it stirred something in him and the only word I could describe it with is passion. 
So when the word came in, passion came out. When the word came in, passion was stirred up. Now, most of you would know, I've shared my story so many times. I got saved as a teenager. Now, up until, up until that point, I had been in church my whole life. I, I, I knew all the Sunday school stories. I'd heard so many messages. I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd actually answered so many altar calls. I'd said the sinner's prayer. I'd come forward so many different times. But, but, but I never had that encounter with God. But this one particular conference I was at, I heard a message from God, and all of a sudden my heart began to leap and stir within me. I went down to the altar, I repented of my sin, and I had an encounter with God. When I got up from that encounter, I was never the same. Like, it was night and day different of who I was before that encounter and who I became after it. And the and I, 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 only way I can describe it is it's been 30 years of passion. 30 plus years of living passionate for God. And I know it's been a dis disappointment for some. Because when I first encountered God, a lot of people were like, yeah, you know, when you first get saved, there's a lot of excitement. You know, everybody gets excited, you know. But, but you know, after some time, it kind of, you know, it wanes down a little bit. And you'll, you'll kind of, listen, listen, those, there were people in our church that attributed my passion because I was newly saved. And that's what happens to everybody. When they first get saved, they, they just become on fire for God and, and fuego. And they'll calm down eventually. Maturity will take hold. And... And, but here's the thing, I've disappointed them all. I've disappointed them all. 30 plus years, I haven't calmed down yet. Like, I, I, I'm as passionate, I don't plan to calm down. I'm as passionate today as I was from that very first encounter. And I love it when people come to our church and experience this passion. Because I don't think you, you can come here as a first time guest or a visitor and not feel something. I've talked to so many people that walk into our church and, and, they, and they feel something. And, 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 and let me tell you what you're, you're feeling. A lot of people will say to me, they'll say, hey man, this church is just full of enthusiastic people. Like you guys are, you guys are very, very enthusiastic. And I think, man, what an amazing compliment that is. Because the word enthusiasm comes from the Greek word enthusio, which means in God. And so when you're in God, there should be enthusiasm. You should be enthusiastic. I'm talking to the people in the back this morning. Come on. You should be enthusiasm, all right? Because enthusiasm, enthusiasm means being in God. And then, and then I've also been approached by people that maybe haven't been to church much. Somebody comes to church maybe for the first time, and maybe they've never been to church. And so you can always tell the difference. Because someone who's been coming to church their whole life or, and they, they come, they, they usually come up and they go, that was an amazing word from God, brother. Like, that's what they'll say to me. But someone who hasn't been to church, they, they'll, they'll say something like this. That was a very inspirational speech that you gave today. And then I know they've never been to church. Like, they have no idea how, how to talk like a, like, a, like, a, like a church person. But I think it's a, what a, an amazing compliment that is. Because when someone says, man, I, I, that was inspirational, what they're saying, the word inspiration comes from in spirit. And so what they're saying is there's a spirit behind what you were speaking today. Because if you're in spirit, you'll be inspirational. And if you're in God, you'll be enthusiastic. But sadly, most churches, you'd have to go in, you're wondering, are they in God? 
Are they in spirit? Because there's no inspiration. There's no enthusiasm. I'm here today to say we should be the most enthusiastic, most inspirational people on the planet. And yeah, I know. I know people will come in and say, oh yeah, that's just hype. It's just a bunch of hype, just lights. Just lights and hype, all that going on. And, and we get accused of that all the time. There's just smoke, lights, rock and roll, air guitar, head banging. It's, it's just a bunch of hype. But listen, I'm, it's not hype. What you're seeing and what you're experiencing is not hype. Let me tell you what it is. It's passion. And I want to tell you why passion is so important. Blind Bartimaeus, he begins to scream out from the side of the road. He's saying, son of David, have mercy on me. Over and over and over again, top of his lungs. Son of David, he's heard the good news. The guy who, who gives sight to the blind is here. And all of a sudden, he's heard that news. And he's like, uh, I can't be silent. Passion, son of David, have mercy on me. And what you'll notice immediately, what the crowd tries to do is the same thing that the world tries to do today, is it tries to silence passion. It tries to, it tries to limit passion. The crowd will always try to silence passion because as soon as you get passionate, the lukewarm get convicted. And so what's happening is, is they're thinking, I either have to get them to change or I have to change. Either I'm gonna, either blind Bartimaeus has to change or I have to change. But blind Bartimaeus knew this, that in order for me to move from where I am to where I want to be, in order for me to move from where I am to receiving my sight, there's gonna be passion involved. And here's the thing I think we all need to understand is every one of us are gonna have obstacles, we're all gonna have walls, we're all gonna face opposition in our life. There, there's gonna be times when you're sitting in here today and you're like blind Bartimaeus, you're saying this piece of my life has to change. I'm tired of sitting here in this same location. I'm tired of begging. I, I, I want to see. Here, this is what Bar Bartimaeus is, is, is feeling. And, and here's the thing, you're gonna feel the same thing. You're gonna be in the house of the Lord and all of a sudden God's word is gonna show you that there's areas in your life that need to change. You're stuck. You're, you're sitting there stuck. We're all gonna become aware of things in our lives that should be different. And most of times, in order for there to be change, pain is required. Because some of the areas in my life that need to change, I'm really, I'm really attached to. Like it's been that way a long time. It's become kind of who I am. It's kind of my identity. And so in order for that to be removed from my life, it's gonna cost me. There's gonna be, it's, gonna, it's not gonna be necessarily all that easy. And, and most of those times, that we, those areas that need to change, there's also gonna be pain. There's gonna be a cost attached to it. Maybe it's an area of your life that needs to be confronted. That's never fun. Maybe it's a relationship that needs to be addressed. Maybe it's a habit that needs to be broken. Any of these areas and so many more, there's pain attached to, 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 to changing those things. But I wanna, day, I wanna tell you today that nothing will shift in your life until your passion for change is greater than the pain of that change. I think most of us would rather hide our stuff than face our stuff. 
You know what I'm talking about? But there's, there comes a point where you just get so passionate and you begin to think, I, I just can't live this double life anymore. I just can't live with this compromise anymore. I can't live under what God's called me to rule over. And all of a sudden, what begins to stir inside of you is a passion that says, I don't care what it takes. I don't care what it costs. I'm going to face this thing head on. I'm going to deal with this area of my life. I'm not living another day under what God's called me over. And in order to do that, you have to have passion. Passion is so important. But, but notice right away, the crowd tries to silence him. The crowd's like, Bartimaeus, shut up. Like, 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 like be quiet. And, and, and the tragedy is, is so many of us get influenced by that. We spend our life trying to fit in with everybody. So regardless of where we are, we try to just fit in. That's, that was my story before I encountered Christ. Wherever I was, that's who I became. And so when I was at church, I was a Christian. I could talk the talk, I could walk the walk, I could look a certain way. But then when I got around my friends at school or when I was out playing sports, when I, when I was doing those things, all of a sudden, I just kind of became whatever they wanted me to be. And what I call this is a thermometer Christian. Do you know what a, do you know what a thermometer Christian is? A thermometer Christian is a person that just adjusts to the temperature of the room. So, so whatever, wherever they are determines what they will be. Yeah. Are you hearing me today? A thermometer, all a thermometer does is gives you a reading of what's happening in the room. A thermometer just gives you a reading of the temperature of the room. And a thermometer Christian, you can spot them a mile away because when everyone's worshiping, what are they doing? They're worshiping. When everybody's praising the Lord and saying amen and opening their Bibles and praying, what are they doing? Well, they're doing all of those same things. But when they get around another group and there's gossiping and complaining and backbiting going on, what are they doing? Well, they're a thermometer. They're doing the same thing. They're just kind of following suit with whatever's happening in that they're a thermometer Christian. Listen, I'm, I'm challenging you today. I'm pleading with you today. Don't be a thermometer Christian. Be a thermostat. See, a thermostat is so different because a thermostat walks in the room and says, I don't care what the temperature is. I don't, I don't care what's going on. I don't care what the temperature is in this room at this moment. I've walked in the room and I'm setting the temperature. I'm setting the temperature. A thermostat Christian is on fire even if everyone else is chilled out. A thermostat says, this is the temperature. You adjust to me. Don't you like that? I love that. You adjust to me. A thermostat says, it's winter, it's cold, I'm gonna heat this place up, right? A thermostat says, it's 120 outside, it's burning up, it's summertime, we're gonna be a cool 67 in this place. A thermostat changes the temperature of the room. And let me tell you what you're called to be. You're called to be a thermostat. You were called to bring change. You weren't called to just go along with popular opinion and follow the crowd and allow your peers to pull you down and dilute your faith. Make a decision today, I'm a thermostat. I'm setting the temperature, I'm living on fire, I'm gonna allow passion to rule my life, I'm going all out for Jesus, I'm gonna be passionate for my God. Do I have any thermostats in the room this morning? 
Let me show you what happens next, because I think this is crazy, and you're going to wonder why, but verse 49, the Bible says that Jesus stood still. So Jesus stood still, and you're saying, that doesn't sound mind-blowing. How is that mind-blowing? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to tell you right now. Jesus is God. He came to this world as a baby, and we know that he has to spend years to grow up discovering who he is. We know that later on in his life that John would point him out and say, behold the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. At 30 years old, he's stepping into ministry. He knows who he is, he knows what his job is, and he's received this call from God that his purpose on this, this world is to save the world. And so at 30 years old, he goes into full-blown save-the-world mode. And here's the thing. He's only got three years. So basically, God's told him, look, you've got three years to save the world, to save all of humankind. You've got three years to destroy the works of the devil. You've got three years to plunder hell and populate heaven, save planet Earth, build a church, transform uneducated fishermen, develop devoted followers, and leave a church behind. You've got three years to achieve the impossible. Like, that's a, that's a tall task. And so we know his story. Everywhere Jesus goes, people are pulling at him. They're, they're all vying for his attention. They're pulling on him. He's in high demand, literally, literally everywhere he walks. And here in this text... In the middle of this call, in this, with so much left on his plate to do, the Bible says he stood still. If anyone doesn't have time to stand still, it's Jesus. If anyone had an excuse not to stand still, it's Jesus, and yet he stands still. And what's interesting is he's not standing still because there's a king in town. He's not standing still because there's an emperor or a commander or a general or someone important. He's standing still for a blind beggar. No one did that. No one even paid attention to them. He's standing still. And listen, this, what's even worse is this is a blind beggar who has no identity. The Bible doesn't even tell us his name. He's only introduced to us as blind Bartimaeus. And we think, well, his name was Bartimaeus, right? No, that's just a description of who he was. Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. So all we know about this guy is that he's blind and that he's the son of a guy by the name of Timaeus. The Bible doesn't even bother to name this guy, but it's him, it's his passion. It's this this blind beggar that has enough passion that it causes Jesus to stop in his tracks. It wasn't his title, It it wasn't his position, it wasn't his accomplishments that caused Jesus to stop. Let me tell you what it was. It was his passion. What stops Jesus in his tracks is passion. We can learn so much from blind Bartimaeus. The Bible says that Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. I I love this because here's the thing. If your passion can get God's attention, you better believe that there's a divine decree that's about to go down on your life. If your passion can get God's attention, there's a word that's about to be released into your being. Jesus stood still and said, command him, commanded him to be called. Listen, I wasn't called because of my education. I wasn't called because of my good looks. I know most of you can't believe that. 
I wasn't called because of my personality or because of my giftings. I was called by God because of passion. It's passion. And I'm not passionate because I've been able to do some things for the Lord. I've been able to do some things for the Lord because I was passionate. Look, look what Bartimaeus does next. I love this. He throws down his garment. And we look at this, and a lot of times we think, well, yeah, that's cool. You know, we, we picture him throwing down a robe or, 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 or a jacket or, or, or whatever, but, but really this garment was really special and, 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 and because the garment that he was wearing was actually a government-issued garment. It, it, was, it, was, it was what set him apart from everyone else. It was a garment that said that this man was able and to, to, to beg here. It was a garment that would have labeled him a legit handicap. Are you with me today? Because he had this garment on, he was allowed to beg at this location. He was a certified government registered beggar and you knew this because of the garment he was wearing. I think we can relate to that because our world is quick to label us. Our world is quick to label you and say it's okay for you to underachieve because you have ADD or you have ADHD or because you were adopted or because you were abused, because you grew up in a, in, in a broken home or, or you, you got dyslexia and all of a sudden you've got this excuse that you can underachieve. But blind Bartimaeus teaches us something right here. He says, I'm not gonna allow that label to hold me down any longer. He threw it aside. He says, I'm not living with that excuse. I know I have that excuse. I'm not living with that excuse anymore. I'm not going back to begging. I'm not going to live this way. I'm not going to underachieve any longer. So he throws his garment aside, and look what happens. As soon as he throws that garment, the Bible says that he rose. It's a beautiful picture that when you toss aside the excuses that you're living with, when you toss those things aside and you make the decision, man, I'm not going to live under this any longer. When you toss that stuff aside, all of a sudden, what you'll experience is you'll begin to rise. Just like Bar Bartimaeus, he rose. You, your, your life will begin to rise. You'll find yourself rising above circumstances. You'll find yourself overcoming things that have held you down your entire life. 51, Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? What a tremendous question. And it seems so obvious. Like I've always been kind of like, this, it seems so strange. Like Jesus knows everything already. I mean, we know that Jesus, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows the answer to every question. And can you imagine what the disciples were probably thinking at this moment? They're thinking, Jesus, like, isn't it obvious what this guy wants? <laughs> I mean, Jesus, what kind of question is that? He's, he's, he's talking to you, but he's looking that direction. It's obvious he, he's blind, like... He needs a healing, but Jesus still asks the question. And I want you to grab this all the way in the back. Listen to this. Jesus always asks the question because what he's trying to do is release the answer in your life. And so he asks Bartimaeus, he says, what do you want me to do for you? And I think Jesus is asking every person in this room the same question. This is what you need to grab a hold of today. What do you want me to do for you. And Jesus didn't ask, what do you need? He said, what do you want? He didn't say, what do you need? He said, what, what do you want? I think there's a big difference between what we need and what we want. There's a big difference. Because God's not moved by need. He's not moved by need. The alcoholic 
needs to be set free. But they'll remain addicted as long as it's just a need. A heroin addict needs to be delivered from that addiction. But they'll remain addicted until that need transitions to a, a, a want. The person in poverty needs to get out of that. But it will remain a need until, as long as it's a need, it's just gonna stay there. It has to, there has to be a transition. Let me try to explain what I'm talking about. Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you want? And Bartimaeus says, Jesus, I want to see. And when he made that statement, what he was saying is, I don't want to live like this anymore. I, I want to be free. I don't want to live a life consumed with this or that or the other thing. I don't want to live with this pain, with regret. I don't want to live with this fear, this anxiety. I, 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 I want to be free. What, what do you want today? Because that's what Jesus is asking you. He's saying, what do you want? Maybe you're saying, I don't want another year like last year. Maybe you say, I, 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 don't, I don't want to live in fear. I don't, I don't want to live in anxiety. I want my marriage to work. I want my kids serving God. What do you want? What do you want? I want my family and my friends saved. What do you want? Maybe Jesus is asking you, saying, I want to stand for God. I'm tired of being ashamed or afraid of what God's done. I want to make a stand for God. I don't want to compromise. You see, in order for there to be change to happen in your life, the need that you have has to turn from a need to a want. I want, I want this from you. Listen, God's power flows to want. Because when you want something so bad, it causes your faith to interact and mingle with that want because a want and your faith, they go hand in hand. And when you have faith, you also have an ask. Faith always has an ask. You should always be wanting something from God. Are you hearing me today? Every person in this room, you should always be wanting something from God. See, the enemy would lie to you. Don't believe the enemy to say, oh, God's given you enough. You don't need anymore. You hear pious Christians all the time. Oh, I don't need anything. I'm good. I'm fine. God's already blessed. Listen, you should always have a want. There should be a desire inside of you to want more from God, to experience more of his, of his word, to experience more of his truth, to experience more of his gospel in your life. Don't let, the, don't let the devil lie to you. You should always be wanting something from God. You should have a litany of things, a list of things that you want from God. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. So what do you want? What do you want right now? What do you want for your family? What do you want for your situation? What do you want for your career? What, do you, what are you dreaming about? What are the areas in your life that you want to change? You're tired of living under what God's called you over. Tell God what you want. Don't be afraid to want. The blind man said, I 
want to see. And it was that simple statement, I want to see, that the Bible says that immediately, somebody say immediately, immediately he was healed. Immediately his sight was restored. Immediately what he wanted became his reality. So we can learn so much from this, this story. And the first thing is this, we let, we let Jesus into our Jericho. We all have a Jericho. We all have areas in our lives that we're not proud of, that we don't want anybody to know about. Things that we're ashamed of, embarrassed about. We all have them. Sometimes we, we, we feel we, we can't, we don't want anybody to see it and we even hide it from God. But I'm challenging you today, let Jesus into that area. Let Jesus into that area of compromise because I wanna tell you something, when he's there, he's always victorious. He doesn't expose you, he doesn't shame you, he's not trying to hurt you, he's trying to help you. I love what it says that they came out, Jesus came out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude. Listen, every time God gets into that Jericho area of your life, he takes what was cursed and turns it into a blessing every single time. It's an amazing thing. So let Jesus into your Jericho. And then, and then the second thing we see is that you're gonna hear before you see. And this is why we preach the gospel. It's why it's so important that you find yourself in the house of God. This is why it's so important that you have daily encounters with God where you're opening up his word. That's why we have a, a daily Bible reading plan. So you can every day get into the word of God because when you hear God's word, you can begin to see it for your own self. You can see it for your own life. You're gonna hear before you see. So get to the place where you're hearing the gospel. The third thing we see is that the passion of change has to be greater than the pain of that change. When you hear the word of God, it demands a response. It demands a response. I'm challenging you in this place to be enthusiastic in that response. What's enthusiasm? It's in God. I'm challenging you to be inspirational in spirit. I'm telling you what, if you can have a passion for the Lord, it'll stop Jesus in his tracks and he'll ask you the question, what do you want? Listen, when Jesus gets involved, miracles happen. Miracles happen. I don't know what you need today. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in your life. All I know is we've sat here for a month and a half. We've had such a tremendous time opening up God's word and seeing his promise for our family, seeing his promises for our finances. For every area of our life, God wants us to walk in blessing. He wants us to change our mindsets to change. He wants shift to happen in our lives. But listen, it doesn't happen because we come to church. It happens when we hear the word and we respond to it. So I'm challenging you today. Maybe you've had a glimpse over the last little while. You've, you've seen glimpses of, of, of things that God desires to do in your life. Listen, let's not leave it at a glimpse. Let's allow that glimpse to become reality. Let's, let's, let's go to work. Let's go to work. What do you want? What do you want? Maybe every, every head bowed, every eye closed today. Maybe you could just ask yourself that question. What do I want? What do I want from God? What do I want from God in my life? What am I unsatisfied with? What, what, what in my life doesn't look like what God said? What's, what's going on in my life that doesn't look like the gospel? It doesn't look like good news. And maybe you just make a, make a decision right now. I want to change. I want, I want different. I want an encounter with Jesus. Amen. Maybe you're here today. Before we go any further, all over this room, maybe you found your way into this building today. You don't have a relationship with God. We've done a lot of talking about it. 
I've talked about how God, how amazing God is. I've, I've talked a little bit about my own story, how I had an encounter with Jesus and my life changed. Maybe you saw all the different ones that got baptized today. It's an outward showing of what God's done on the inside of their lives. And maybe inside you say, I want that. I want to have a relationship with God today. I want to tell you, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. And God loves you, Jesus loves you so much that he gave his life so that you could be free, so that you could live changed, so that you could live in relationship with him. So if you're here today and you say, you know what, I wanna have a relationship with Jesus, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you this morning. Is there anyone like that all over this room? You'd signify that, you'd raise your hand and say, I want, a, I want a relationship with Jesus. I wanna give my life to Jesus. If that's you, all over this place, side to side and front to back, you lift your hand and say, I wanna give my life to the Lord. Anyone at all, all over this place, come on, lift it up. Lift it up, if God's speaking to you, I see that hand right there. God bless you, God bless you. God's gonna touch your life today. I wanna to just tell you right now, welcome to the family of God. That's, that's so awesome. Maybe there'll be another in this room who say, I wanna give my life to Jesus. Side to side and front to back, God wants to touch your life. Right here, right here in the front, God bless you. God's gonna to touch you today. God's gonna to touch your life. Anyone else? You say, I wanna give my life to Jesus. I wanna give my life to Jesus. I see that hand. God bless you, man. God's gonna to touch you today. Welcome to the family of God. Oh, anybody else all over this room, you join these three honest people. You say, I wanna give my life to Jesus. I've been trying to make life work. I've been trying my best to make life work. It just doesn't work. You're missing something. You're missing a relationship with God. He wants it so desperately. He was willing to give his life for it. He'd say, I wanna give my, I wanna, I wanna accept that into my life. I wanna give my life to Christ. The Bible says that Jesus went to the cross and shed his blood so that we could be forgiven. We've all sinned. We've all made countless mistakes, but there's a free gift of salvation through the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. He wants to touch you today. Is there anyone else you'd say, I wanna give my life to Jesus. You just raise your hand. You join these three honest other ones. Anyone else? Amen. Those of you that raise your hand right there, you meant that? Come down, I wanna pray with you. Right here, come down. I'd love to pray with you right there. Yeah, come on down. You won't be alone right here in the front. Come on, Jesse, bring him with you. Bring him with you. Anybody else? Was there another hand back here? down come on down come on we're it's awesome when people are giving their lives to the Lord it's the best decision you could ever make man we're gonna pray listen listen this is the best day of your life I'm telling you right now the best decision you could ever make the best decision I ever made Anybody can say that with me? The best decision I ever made was giving my life to Jesus. He changed my life, and he's gonna change yours. The Bible says that old things pass away. There's, there's a lot of things I've done in my life that I'm, I regret. There's a lot of things I wish I could have changed. I gave my life to Jesus, and the Bible says that old things pass away, all things become new. You're gonna experience a new life today. And the Spirit of God, when I was talking about that inspiration, that Spirit, that raised Christ from the dead is gonna come inside of your, in your, into your life right now. It's gonna change you. So we're gonna, we're gonna pray a prayer. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus died, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So that's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pray, and I want you to repeat this prayer after me, but, but I want you to say it not just out of your mouth, but from your heart. Can we do that? You ready? You ready? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for going to the cross 
and shedding your blood so I could be free. I've done a lot of things in my life. I won't say it out loud. I've done a lot of things I'm not proud of. I ask you to forgive me. I invite you into my life and I ask you to change me. Make me like you. I make a decision from this day forward, I'm gonna serve you. I'm gonna live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, it's awesome. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you. I thank you for these decisions. Thank you for what you've done. I thank you for the miracle of salvation. And I pray, Lord God, that these individuals, Lord, that they would recognize the miracle that's already taken place. We thank you today that their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that their eternity is secure, that their sins are forgiven. God, we thank you and we join with all of heaven that's partying right now because of what's happened in these lives. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. 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 God bless you guys. Come on, let's all stand to our feet. Can we do that all over this room? Let's stand up. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What do you want? I pray that as, as I asked you that question just a little bit earlier, what, what do you want? I'm asking you right now, what do you want? What area in your life do you want to give to God right now? Because i tell you something, God can change it. He can change it. Maybe lift your hands up all over this place. God, I thank you. Lord, for every person in this room, I thank you that they've had an encounter with you. I thank you, Lord, that there's passion on the inside. And I thank you, Lord, that our passion gets your attention. And I thank you, Lord, that when we get your attention, you meet our wants. And I pray right now, right now, all over this place, Lord, that we would begin to deal with our Jericho. God, those cursed spots in our lives, those areas of compromise. Lord, we repent of those things right now. God, we thank you, God, that you're not afraid to go into those areas and change us. And so, Lord, we make a decision and a commitment to allow you to change what's, what's, what's off, God. Allow you to change those areas. We give them to you. God, we thank you, Lord, God, that your word is true and every man's a liar. God, we trust you. We give it to you. We honor you in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, come on. Come on, sing it.
I can't agree with our pastor more. I love this church, man, and I love the passion that takes place here today. So everybody that's here today, you know, if you look through this world, you're never gonna find the answers from anything in this world. The only place you're gonna find it is in Jesus Christ. If you're searching today, and if you're out there, you're looking in different places, trying to find the answers, trying to find the answers to life, you're only gonna find it in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, and that's where he is here right now today. Anyway, let's, let's close this out. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this service. Lord, we thank you for that message, Lord, that Pastor Adam brought, Lord, today. Lord, your words, Lord Jesus. Lord, I believe that you're speaking to so many people in this room about so many different things. Lord, I pray that you would give us, Lord, the strength, the boldness, Lord, to allow you, Lord, into our Jericho. Lord, to allow you into those intimate areas of our lives that we try not to let anybody else look at so that you can heal us, deliver us, transform us, Lord Jesus. We want to be the people that you've called us to be. And we love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you. God bless you as you go from this place. We'll see you again very soon. Take care.